Thanks for tuning in to the Bacon Warrior Podcast. On today's episode, we talked about a tough week for MSU basketball, broke down the Matt Stafford trade to the Rams, and then we had our friend Blake on to discuss everything that's going on in the stock market right now. Here's Spartan Dog 97. Thanks, Spartan Dog 97. When I'm not tearing my hair out watching MSU basketball, I'm Spartan Dog 97. Fellas, remember last week when we we're like, oh, we miss MSU basketball. We just want to see him play again. Um, <laughs> it'll be good to see him on Thursday against Rutgers. What the fuck were we thinking? We weren't. <laughs> they're they're going to be I don't the want them to play another ball. game. Yeah. They, they, they can go away. Yeah, I think it's I think it's time for I think it's time for MSU basketball to I don't know figure something out. Um, we're going to talk about it. We're also going to talk about the blockbuster trade that happened on Saturday night between the Lions and the Rams, and then uh, we're going to have our uh, we're going to have our resident horny man Blake on to talk us through stocks. Um, stocks. What are they? Uh, how do you trade them? Um, and you know, he's no Margot Robbie in a bathtub, but I think it'll be a really informative session. So he's, he's the closest, he's the closest thing we've got. Yeah. <laughs> um, we asked Margot, um, she was busy. Uh, we tried to reach out to, um, you know, Dr. Richard Thaler and Selena Gomez. They were both unavailable. And of course, rest in peace to Anthony Bourdain. Major so let's rest. get started. He's with John Candy now. Yep. Let's get started with MSU basketball. Um, how can I put this in the nicest way possible? Don't. Uh, if can't. Thomas Kithier starts another minute for MSU basketball, I will lose my fucking mind. It, like, in, and look, I, it's not just his fault. Hey, hey. But, but it, it, it's a big MSU has some big fucking problems right now, and yeah. they're not new problems. They're problems that we've been worried about for three months, and now that we're kind of at this point in the season where they're usually starting to figure this shit out, and they're not, we might be fucked here, boys. Might. Okay, we're fucked. Yeah, I'm ready to. Yeah, we're fucked. It's time to put Michigan State season on the tombstone. Yep. This is yeah. Usually, SD, you alluded to it, but usually at this time of the year, this is where uh, the team kind of figures things out and they they improve or at least show some sort of improvement. But ever since that Duke game, ever since no, ever since that game against Central Michigan got canceled when the super spreader was near um, <laughs> things had just kind of gone downhill. And I mean, like, you the, know, what is it? What are the positives with this team? I, I, I can't name one. They there were a couple they're positives. Not, they're not likable. Yeah. There were a few positives. <laughs> there, yeah. There's been 13 positives. <laughs> they're going to have more COVID cases and wins. <laughs> God, that's just, that, that's sad. I mean, the, like I said earlier, the problems with this team aren't new. There's no leadership. No one is stepping up and being a leader. That it needed to be Aaron Henry. It needed to be Josh Langford. It needed to be Rocket Watts. And none of them 
have wanted to take the, none of them wanted to take the lead. You know, Rocket uh, is getting fucked with mentally by Izzo with this constant uh, Michael Scott vasectomy thing of moving him back and forth from point guard to two guard, back to point guard, maybe back to two guard. <laughs> it's snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. You know, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. The lineups are still all over the place. There's not one consistent lineup that Izzo throws out there. He's constantly tinkering. And, and honestly, most of the problems with this team come down to Tom Izzo and the coaching staff. All of these problems are coaching issues. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Especially, I mean, we saw it before the, the tip-off. I mean, the last two games, it's been – you've gotten tweets like five minutes before the starting lineups announced where he's saying, oh, we might start – Hall here, we might start banging him in this spot. And, like, we start to get, okay, maybe he's – Tom's starting to see the things that we are. And then he drops the starting lineup, and it's just – it's – yeah, it's the two twin disasters in the front court. Joey Hauser's been horrible. I, yeah. I think that's one thing. Like, I mean, we, we rag on Thomas Kithier for a good reason. But at the same time, Joey Hauser has been probably the biggest disappointment I can remember in, like, recent Spartan history – just based off of the fact that this guy, he was supposed to come in and shoot over 40% from three. He's not doing that. He doesn't play defense. He doesn't rebound. doesn't pass all that well. And he just uh, he just hasn't offered much of anything. And he's a bigger defensive liability than Foster, which is almost impossible to do. You know, I like Hauser started the season so strongly. Um, and he played so well against Wisconsin. I really thought that even though they had lost that game, that that was the turning point. That was the, okay, we got it game. And it, it wasn't <laughs> like, it just, it's, they, they, that was the game. That was almost like the dying breath of Michigan state of the pro of the, of this year. I mean, it really was. So I don't know what, like, I'm not Tom Izzo, right? I'm not a hall of famer. I'm not going to tell him how to do his job or do or give him suggestions on what he needs to do better because I don't fucking know. I'm not with the program day in and day out. But if I watch for four hours a week and I can see that 15 isn't the answer at center and there are mountains of analytical data that shows you that 15 isn't the answer. And you he does the things that you can't, that you can't put on paper. I don't give a fuck. The things that. you put on paper are the final score. They hate that. You put the final score on fucking paper. And they're not winning. Ooh. Well, they, they were closer against Ohio State than against Rutgers. Yeah. So there's, a, there's a positive. Never thought we'd say that. I mean, they just straight up, they straight up packed in and against Rutgers. I mean, like, honestly, yeah. the only reason they stayed, they stayed in against Ohio State so long was because they were able to keep it close until the final eight minutes of the game. 
I the same people who root for Foster and Kithier to start games and like don't blame them for anything are the same type of people who thought Brandon Inge was like the best Tiger on the roster, even when Miguel Cabrera was there. Like it's those type of people, and I think we can point out a pattern. You know, they might be rocking a a certain amount of a certain garb in their closet. You know. Yeah, they definitely wear a certain hat. Yeah, they wear a certain pointed hat. <laughs> and, a, and another one. And another red one. But, yeah. <laughs> and, it isn't, and it isn't to celebrate Kanye West's seminal album, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. I'll no. say that. Unfortunately. Like, we, Michigan State plays Iowa tonight. When this podcast airs, they'll be playing Iowa, Iowa tonight. I'm not watching. Sorry. Yeah, we have that thing. We have that thing. We have that thing we got to do. Yeah, we have that thing with the guy at the place. Uh, I think I'm going to do a thing where I just, I'm going to watch the game because I'm fucking sick in the head and I can't help myself. You're a twisted freaking psychopath. I'm, I'm twisted. I'm, I'm damaged. <laughs> just right damaged all along my forehead. Uh, <laughs> You know, I think I think my strategy for live tweeting is I'm not even going to like give you know how sometimes I give thoughts on the analysis. I think I'm just going to tweet out like family guy jokes the whole time. It's like you think you think Luca Garza getting body and kithier in the post is bad. Wait until you hear about the time I went out to dinner with Kathy Griffin or whoever. <laughs> and that'll just be the entire bit is just me doing it, it'll be like the sea manatees in uh in south park when they get there they find <laughs> the out ball ball. yeah the, the beach balls the idea ball <laughs> yeah the idea ball um i haven't been watching i watched the rutgers game because i was down here already uh and you know, I like that they kept it close. Like, you know, they were getting their ass beat and then they kept it close. And you you just set you set yourself up for being let down so bad. And, like, for some reason, even though they got to, what, within two points or three points, I still felt like, I don't think they're going to win this game. That's just – that's how I approached that game. And I know that's a loser mentality, but it just didn't feel like they had the horses or they had the energy to put them away. And I couldn't. I didn't watch the Ohio State game. I was I was working, but you know, I just kept tabs on you guys on Twitter, and that's all I really needed to know. I just I just get my recaps from you guys now when I don't watch the games. No, I mean like in their in in the team's defense, um, they had basically been shut down for a month. Yeah, and then they had to come back and play two they have to come back and they're playing three games in three games in five days you know three big 10 conference games in five days is a lot for anybody so i'm not you know whatever but god damn man it it's they don't look they don't look like the same team against against Duke and Notre Dame. And maybe that says more about Notre Dame and Duke than it does about us. Yeah. But it's just, they're totally different. It's like, 
I brought up this. I brought up this problem before with how I with how I perceive Izzo treats Rocket, right? But there are shots that Rocket should be putting up that he's just not. He he wants to you know he's doing this weird penetrate you know floater thing, and it's like Rocket's a shooter. You know, whoever told Rocket to stop shooting should honestly, like, should, I'm not going to say lose their jobs, but, like, a, a, a swift kick in the nuts. It, whoever on that staff told Rocket to stop shooting the ball and to stop being Rocket, you, you deserve a swift kick in the nuts because that's what you fucking recruited him for you recruited what you recruit a guy named Rocket Watts to be Rocket Watts. You don't recruit him to be Mark Watts. <laughs> he has the nickname Rocket for a fucking reason. Let the man fucking cook. It's obvious that something is holding him back. Whether that whether you've yelled at him so much that he's not going to try to be himself anymore or whatever. But it's clear that you're stifling him. It's clear. And he's suffering for it. And you're suffering for it. Well, there, there's one interesting storyline that I know this is just me going full conspiracy theory. But let's just play a hypothetical game for a second. A few weeks ago, there was an interview in, the, in Forbes with uh, comments from Imani Bates of, oh, I wish I was out there with Michigan State right now. Those, those are my brothers. They're struggling out there. I wish I could help them win. What is this awesome, like, 4D chess move by Tom Izzo that, hey, if this team goes off and wins a national championship, which they were never going to do, um, would Amani come to Michigan State as a result? Or if they made a Final Four, would he be there? I, I, I'm not sure if that changes the equation, but the fact that Amani Bates wants to come to Michigan State and uh, – help this team in their current position, it's not the worst thing in the world that they just continue to suck. That's my silver lining that I think this makes it, I already pegged like 90% chance he's going to come here, but I think it's closer to a hundred percent now just based off his prior comments. So you're saying they're tanking on purpose. Not, that's how I'm choosing. That's how I'm choosing to view the situation. <laughs> I I agree with like yeah. I don't you know it's not 40 chess, but I like the I like the theory. I think Bates is coming. I've said that since the beginning. He wouldn't commit to MSU if he didn't want to come. If he didn't have plans on coming here, I am worried about Rocket. Like if he's just if it's Izzo just doing all this shit to him. And Rocket's not going to be the same the entire year. You know, like usually around this time, Izzo starts to get the rotation set and the lineups pretty well straightforward. You know, like this was around the time two years ago when it all started to click. Like when Cassius took off, you know, we went in and beat Michigan in Braz- uh, CRISPR arena. I call it CRISPR. And, uh, <laughs> Stunning you know, the, the rest is history. I think they lost. I, they didn't lose a game until the Texas Tech game. Like, and it's just disheartening to see this, but, you know, 
I hate to try to be Mr. Optimistic when everything's going to shit, but like streaks are made to be streaks, streaks snap. Records are made to be broken. Things, shit happens. And we have to embrace how good we've had it as MSU fans. And, you know, this, a, a year like this was inevitable. It's come close like two, two times. One of them, we went to the fucking final four, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's come close and it was due to happen. Now, did I want it to happen? Obviously, we didn't think it did, but you're two and six, and the back half, you got to go five and five. Like, I think eight wins could get MSU in the tournament at 14 and 12, but holy fuck, I, I just don't see it. And they're not going to take an NIT bid. I really don't think they will. I don't want to hang that banner. I don't want to be like Michigan and hang that banner. <laughs> Final four NIT banner. No, they've won one too. Like I don't, I don't want to fucking take it. And it's disheartening. It sucks, but you know, if if it leads to Imani coming and uh, Enoch Boyaki, I just botched that name. I'm sorry if he listens. Uh, if it leads to them reclassifying, I hope it does. But at the same time, I'm petrified that the way he Izzo is handling this team and. I'm nervous of the fact that he could not encourage two or three people to transfer in order to make room for some superstar players that want to reclassify. I'm worried that could derail things. You know, like I'm starting to get that thought in the back of my head. Well, I think here, here's what I think. Here's what I think is the most likely outcome from all of this, honestly, is we have one scholarship open up because of Langford leaving. Um, he'll, he'll probably pull step back Jack scholarship. Uh, so that's two. Um, Henry's gone. He's leaving. That's three. So that's, that's Jay Nakins. That's Pierre Brooks. That's Max Christie, right? Those are our 2021 recruits. Um, we need two more to open up for the 2022 guys who are going to be reclassifying. So your uh, Imani, your uh, Enoch Boyake. So, you know, where those two come from, I don't know. I know who I want the two to come from, but I don't know if that's going to happen. You know, there could be a, I mean, honestly, I could see Hauser maybe leaving for the draft. Um, I could see Rocket leaving for the draft. You know, that I think that might be his Izzo's plan. <laughs> honestly, yeah. I just, I, I don't, you know, I know that Hauser's and Rocket's stock are probably in the toilet. Yeah. But I, I think he's just planning on Hauser and Rocket leaving after this year. Honestly, I don't because it if he truth if he keeps the if he keeps the Clarkston cucks and and tells Enoch and Amani to to hold off a year, I'm gonna lose my fucking mind. Yeah, that that that's gonna be grounds for almost pulling like a Clay Travis, where we have to Bacon White has to intervene in Michigan State Athletics. That would be beyond a disaster. Like, there would be a revolt. I don't know if a player that's more disliked than Thomas Kithier that's ever played at Michigan State. You'd have to go back a long time. Mm. 
and Russell and Bird started to get there. But nothing Bird. like this. This is pure hatred. People didn't like Raymar Morgan for the dumbest reasons because he couldn't get healthy. But when Raymar Morgan was on, he was he was fucking amazing. I remember he got a lot of hate just unjustly. But yeah, Kithier is becoming one of my. It's not his fault. It's it's some. No, it's his fault. Twitter. It's his fucking fault. Well, like <laughs> MSU Twitter doesn't help, and then being on the Facebook, no. like man, fifteen does the things you just can't put on a scoreboard. I'm like, yeah, that's why they fucking suck. It's because he's out there doing those things when I'd much rather just, you know, at this point, just start some of those freshmen, mix them in with Rocket and Henry. Let those guys show show their worth. It's time it's time to open up the roster a little bit if, if we're going down this path. You know, I completely agree, Lucas. And I mean, at this point, in order to show guys that they don't, they aren't going to be here next year. Like they, Tom needs to just lay down the law. And just basically start benching some of these guys. Like Kithier should never see the floor. I think Julius Marble should honestly get more playing time. He's looked really good, but if if he's not going to get playing time, he can go too. And then obviously number three, whose name I refuse to say. He's like Voldemort. <laughs> get him out. Whatever the wherever the Horcruxes are in East Lansing, we got to find them and destroy them. They're all hidden in local mills. Uh... In local milk, uh, <laughs> it's it's yeah, seven plaster cast dildos that he made for <laughs> for the sorority house moms. We got to break into each of the houses and steal them and destroy them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I'm starting to get a little worried about Izzo, but I, I know that's when he proves me wrong. But I think this has just been such a shit coaching job by him. He has. He has a dud every couple of years. Like he said, 17-18 wasn't a great coaching job because it's so easy to sit there and watch all those five stars, you know, do their thing. And, you know, 18-19 was a fucking masterpiece, and so was 19-20. It got a little rough, but that had extenuating circumstances behind it. Uh, but I'm really not happy with him this year. And the fact that he's – it seems like he, like, wants to fuck with these – it seems like he wants Rocket to transfer sometimes. It's like – how, how far can I push this kid before he goes? And it's like, maybe you shouldn't do that with someone like Rocket. I think Rocket's a special player, and it's a shame how, how things are going for him. And I know he needs to get it right, but I think we're on agreement that coaches are really botching this. Like, it, it's just the fact. Yeah, it's like watching the Syracuse game every single time, every single game. It's like, it's almost like Groundhog's Day. It's like, these are just the most bizarre decisions that a Hall of Fame coach should not be making. Right. And I mean, and it, I mean, it's unfair, but even looking ahead to the next, whoever the next coach is, I, at this point, it can't be anybody on the current staff. Cause if it's, I, I mean, no, I like, I mean, we're looking, I'm looking too far ahead, but at the same time, like if they, if none of these guys can step in and change things, I mean, what leads us to have any confidence in them moving forward, especially when they're recruiting guys like 15, uh, Thomas Kitty or number three. And I wonder, I got to wonder what Dwayne Stevens is doing. Cause he sets the rotations. Like he does the substitutions and, you know, I just wish I was a little more educated on what that can do or like how that can improve. It's just alarming. And yeah, I'm, Oh, if Izzo retires and it's like, 
I'm not going to say the one guy who's a friend of the program, but I, I'd be really fucking mad if they just promoted from within. This is Michigan State basketball. This is not. This is not you know Western Michigan or something. Some small time school. This is a blue blood, and I'm. St- this is something I thought about today because I know we were talking about this, and this season has really bummed me out. And if is if Izzo, you know, after these two three years when Amani's gone and you know Christie and all those guys leave, if he doesn't have any titles, you know, we're gonna have to really think about the Jim Beheim comparisons a little bit more. And I know that's that's hard to say. He has more accolades, but that's starting to creep in my head. And I I, I really hope he gets that second title to just shut me the fuck up. No, I mean, Lucas, I completely agree. I think it's, I mean, if you don't get it done in these next two, three years. Yep. I, the second I, title I cements your legacy for sure. And one, you know, people can go, anybody can get one, but getting a second title just shuts all the haters and losers up. And of which there are many, of which there are many. And, you know, it, it silences everybody, but I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervous, but Hopefully I'm wrong. So we're going to, we're going to move on, but I, I just wanted to yeah. share. I wanted to sh- share some numbers with you guys. Um, this comes from our friend, Will Hunter. When Marcus Bingham is on the floor, opponents shoot 51.7% at the rim. When he is off, they shoot 58.7%. When Thomas Kithier is on the floor, opponents shoot 66.3% at the rim. Holy shit. When Kithier is off the floor, opponents shoot 52.2%. So when when Thomas Kithier is on the floor, two out of every three possessions, the opponent is scoring. When 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 both him and Bingham are off the floor, it drops... He it drops fourteen percent, fourteen percent. MSU's defense is fourteen percent better without Thomas Kithier. This they is, are worse with Marcus Bingham off the floor. That's fucking amazing. Unreal. I, the, the people who defend him can get fucked. I, I know I'm turning on our own kind, but there's a certain <laughs> slim person on Twitter who can get fucked too. Like, I'm starting to hate those people so much because they're making me hate those people on this team. And I don't want to hate kids just, do, you know, trying to play basketball, but I'm starting to get there. I guess it's my age, but whatever. Fuck it. It's all pain. I'm not mad. Definitely not mad. Uh, don't no. put it in the papers. Put it, yeah. <laughs> Please don't put in the papers that I got mad. Ugh, let's move on. Let's move on. So move along. <laughs> move along. So Saturday, kind of a crazy day. Uh, late on Saturday night, it was announced by Adam Schefter that the Lions were sending Matthew Stafford to the Los Angeles Rams in exchange for two future first-round picks, a third-round pick this year, and quarterback Jared Goff. 
Uh, Lucas, you're a Rams fan. Uh, grade the trade. I, I was. Uh, I just have to know. I was absent, and uh, the the friends of Bacon Wire and MSU Twitter were wondering where I was when I was assembling IKEA furniture. So of course that takes all day. But um, I really like the trade. I don't know if I can give it a score, but the pros: instant upgrade at quarterback. Um, a guy who can still give you two, three years of really good football. And um, like, I, what's funny is, you know, we were talking a couple pods ago about if McVeigh ever were the Lions coach, like, you know, drooling about Stafford in a McVeigh offense. And then this fucking happens. I don't like giving up the first round picks, but the more I think about it, you know, any draft pick can be a bust and any draft pick can be a really good draft. So I'm going to keep the faith in the Rams scouting department and the, the people who draft, like sure. Half of them have gone on the lines. It seems like, but I still have faith in them. So I'm going to give the trade. I'm going to give it 8.5. I don't like giving up the draft picks, but at the same time, it's just, I think it's a win-win because the Rams are in win now mode and the window will close and it's going to bottom out. But you know, if, if they can get a really good success out of it, I think all parties will be happy with the trade and the lions should be thrilled. Like for the lions, it's a 10. I think it's a 10. Yeah. You get golf, but golf will be a really good stopgap for if you draft a quarterback, you can let that quarterback like cook in the oven appropriately and, and then hand it off when you decide to dump golf. Yeah. I was just about to say, I think it's a 10 out of a 10 out of 10 trade for the lions. Yeah. I think, I think asking for that second first rounder in exchange for taking on Goff's contract and kind of borrowing from the NBA model of, of superstar trades was really smart on Brad Holmes's part. And, you know, I was talking about this earlier, Lucas, but, you know, I don't think Jared Goff is the bum a lot of people are making him out to be. No, I just think he has it. I just think he has a ceiling. Yeah. And if the ceiling for Jared Goff is one possession, one possession away in a Super Bowl, then Ugh. fuck, you know, like that's a that's a pretty goddamn high ceiling. Ugh, that fucking game. No, I I agree with you there. I've I've been critical of him because a guy who he had a top ten season in 2018. He had a top eight season. He was really good by the statistics, like actual numbers, uh, number 15, number three fans, not just seeing something. He was actually really good. He had the offense mastered. And yeah, that Super Bowl, you just ran into the greatest coach of all time. Like there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. Um, but <sighs> Goff is not this complete bust or else he wouldn't be fucking playing. And I think it's a great, like I said, like we, we, we agree. It is. I mean, do you want to take on that contract? No, but like that's kind of the going rate and Goff has earned that contract as much as I have my issues with him turning over the ball too much or just seems like sometimes he doesn't have it clicking, but I don't get Lions fans just crying over getting this guy when it could have been a lot worse. No, Brent, no I agree. I, and I mean, think, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead, Esty. No, I was, I was going to throw it to you, so. Yeah, so, I mean, I think you guys bring up an interesting point with Goff. I mean, 
People, I mean, what was it? Two years ago, the guy was in a in a Super Bowl and he was semi in the MVP discussion. I mean, mm-hmm. he's battled some injuries, and it's not like people are acting like this guy's like Blake Bortles when that's just not the fact. I mean, like, yeah. If you if you offer me straight up right now, who would I take, Jared Goff or Kirk Cousins? I'm taking Jared Goff just based off of like I like what he can do, and I mean, he's he's more mobile, he's more protective with the ball, and he's younger. I mean. He's already the most successful quarterback alliance I've ever had. So, I mean, that's one thing. And then in terms of just kind of looking and it keeps their options open for the draft. I mean, personally, I want them to take a quarterback at seven, but if for, by some act of God, none of the top four guys are there, you're not hamstrung into taking, Oh, I got to reach for Mac Jones. Now you you can just take the best player available. You can punt on it until next year. And then, I mean, you've got four first coming up the next two years. So, I mean, the options are there. Um, even some of the, the comments by Dan Campbell saying, Hey, me and Brad, we're looking at this thing, uh, from a two, three year perspective. We're not trying to win now. We want to feel the competitive team, but we need to build this thing correctly. And from the Ryan's perspective, I really like the trade. Um, I mean, as a Lions fan, I, I need them to kind of bottom out after a year, but, uh, it's fun. I'm mean, like watching the Rams is fun. I mean, they have the best defense in the NFL. Yeah. And now they have a quarterback that's going to be, <laughs> they have a quarterback that's going to be like Lucas said, an upgrade over what golf is producing. And it, it's going to be an interesting experiment because either they, they win a Super Bowl in these next two, three years or um, things. It, if they yeah. win one, they win the trade. Like that's the thing. If right. they win a Super Bowl, everything's worth it. Like when, win a Super Bowl next year and then go, Oh, and 16. And then it like, it evens out for both of us. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, it's something that the Rams had to do. Like, they're all in. Well, We've never seen a football team do this before. And and the way that uh, McVay was talking about Goff near the end of the regular season, you could kind of tell they were going to try this. Like, McVay was just like, he's our quarterback for now. Um, we're going to smooth things out. You know, the t- but he straight up said in one game, he's like, the turnovers have to stop. You could tell he's like, get him out. Get him the hell out. Nah, get him out. But um, yeah, I I really hope they win one, but you know, we'll see. It, it best case scenario, it ends up like uh Verlander, JD, Scherzer, Sanchez, all those fucking. All right, guys. you didn't uh, easy, easy killer. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you, Lucas. You know, I think. I think the way the Rams are building this team is very is is very interesting. It, it like the the NBA comparison is very apt, right? Yeah. Because NBA teams do this all the time. Every team LeBron has ever been on has done this, where they basically mortgage the future to get a bunch of elite pieces to compete for championships. Yeah, like the Nets. Like yeah, the Nets the done. Nets are doing it right now. The Lakers, the Lakers did it with AD. Yeah. And they're, and you know, Houston did it. Houston has done it. And like, you just see it over and over and over again, where these teams, where these NBA teams mortgage the future and they're like, we're all in. And I think, and I think in the NFL, that's a, that's an incredibly savvy strategy. The only problem is, Injuries are a lot more common in the NFL. Yep. So that's the thing. And yeah. Stafford's Stafford's taken some big hits, and he's right. had some big injuries in the past. I'm I'm curious to see his numbers 
with because I'm not saying the Rams have the perfect run game, but they do have a more consistent run game. You know, that's just fact, and that's not trying to be a dick to Lions. It's that's just what you know. Stafford hasn't had many 100 yard rushers, and the Rams did it like five or six times last year alone. I'm kind of curious as to how that's going to improve his game, or at least maybe try to keep him a little healthier, you know, to where he's not having to throw so much. It's, it's going to be really fun to watch, but um, it makes me, it, I'm going to watch the, obviously I watch the Lions, but I'm going to watch them to see how Goff does because I didn't like him towards the end, but still gave me, you know, some pretty good memories. You know, I'll, I'll always love that Saints Rams game. <laughs> That's always a great memory, but I think it was just time, especially since he said he wants to pipe uh, Sean's fiance. <laughs> I, have you seen her? Yo, yeah. I'm sorry. Like you're not you're not a human being. Like you're like some kind of weird alien. You're some kind of weird alien life form. If you don't want to pipe Sean McVay or his girlfriend, honestly. <laughs> oh my! Just incredibly good-looking people. He's a handsome dude. I am. I am pissed. Kelly. Kelly got her way though. Yeah, but she's going to Did California. She? <laughs> Yeah, that's true. You can't even go to Disneyland, man. <laughs> yeah, um, but like, it, you know, they're at the end. You know, we're at the end of all this. Hopefully, goddamn, can we please be at the fucking end of this shit? Uh, I'll tell you what, though. What Did you see the, speaking of if we're at the end, did you see that um, one one guy how he had a Chick-fil-A manager trying to run the drive-thru of the vaccine? If they did that for every fucking vaccine point, drop-off point or drive-through point in the country, we'd all be fully vaccinated by Memorial Day. <laughs> yes, I was reading about that. Like before they brought in the Chick-fil-A people, they couldn't they would get through like one car every like 15, 20 minutes. Then the Chick-fil-A people came through, they were getting a car through every two minutes. Like it would just yeah. like just like Chick-fil-A. Like that that's what Biden should pass is <laughs> get Chick-fil-A managers leave from their stores. <laughs> Go save the country. And you know what? They could just Tell me do that's it not on... a South. That's a South Park episode. They can, oh, that'd do, be it great. On, they can do it on Sundays. They're not working. <laughs> Closed hey, on hey, Sunday. Hey. You're my oh, Chick-fil-A. It, All right. Hey, I'm already ending the I'm already ending the pod with Devil in a new dress. All right. We don't need it. Um, while we're on the trades of the quarterbacks, I gotta take. I don't think Deshaun Watson is gonna get traded. I think no. he's gonna sit out of the year. I don't either. I think that's a good, I think that's a good, um, I think that's a, that's a good take, Lucas. I don't think, I don't think the Texans are, are willing to do that. I think they're going to make them sit out the year. Yeah. Like Especially they, seeing what Stafford got, like who's going to, who's going to double that. Or just even add another first round pick. Yeah. Like it's, I bet the Rams called the Texans because Deshaun clearly wanted to be a Ram and the, but the conversation was either, Hey, we want Aaron Donald and two picks, and they just went click, or they went, okay, you can have anybody not named Aaron Donald or Jalen Ramsey, and then the Texans just went click. I bet it was a very quick text conversation or a phone conversation. I bet they wanted. I bet they wanted the two picks on top of not. I bet they wanted the picks. They didn't want golf. They didn't want golf. Yeah. So I think that was probably the deal breaker for the Rams because there's no way to get out of golf's contract. Did. Did it ever? Did the Patriots ever make an offer for Stafford? Um, I don't think it. They they might have, but it wouldn't have mattered because yeah. the Lions would not have traded Stafford to New England. Do you, do you think it was Patricia? 
Like he didn't it was absolutely a hundred percent Patricia. <laughs> God, I what think an it was. statement on that man. Bill Belichick's just sitting there like, you blew it. You motherfucker, you blew it. We could have had Stafford. <laughs> oh, it's going to be interesting to watch. It's going to be weird to see Stafford in a Rams jersey. And it's going to be weird as hell to see Goff wearing number 16 in the in the Honolulu blue. It's going to be so weird. He even does, honestly. Yeah. That could be the thing. I mean, like, as crazy, as bad as people think Goff are, as Goff Not is, he's still, a, he's still a solid asset. That yeah. another team could very well want. I mean, we could probably like the the if 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 Deshaun really isn't getting traded, then golf becomes a lot more desirable to a lot of teams. He could be flipped easily to like he the could Colts be flipped to Carolina the, or the Colts or the football team. You know, the 49ers who are looking to get Kirk Cousins. Right. The Niners, you know, these teams who were in the market for Stafford, but weren't willing to pay enough for Stafford. We could flip golf for a reduced price because what's it matter to us? We save money either way. Right. It's going to be interesting. Like, I know, I think Campbell's kind of on the fence of, you know, if we keep golf, it's not the end of the world because it shouldn't be the end of the world and it isn't the end of the world. But if someone comes calling and says, Hey, we'll give you another couple draft picks for, for Jared Goff," It's like, you know, the Larry David gif, you know, where he's kind of like this, like, do you take it? I mean, I think you kind of have to. I mean, I think the problem is if golf gets moved, it'll be post draft. Yeah. I it'll be, Draft night or it'll be post-draft. I don't see golf getting moved before the league year, before the start of the league year. Yeah. So that'll be a lot hazier. And until the Rams come out with a stronger, a stronger statement of we're not trading Deshaun Watson, we're keeping Deshaun Watson. Then I think, I think the plan right now is golf. Whether or not Deshaun actually gets moved, who knows? Well, but I, but I think but, the Colts, the football team, the Panthers—they're all going to be in the market for a quarterback, and they're all out of—they're all out of contention for the top four guys. One of them might take a chance on Mac Jones or Kyle Trask or Ian Book, but I think it's a lot more likely that those teams are going to come are going to call us back about Jared Goff than it is about them reaching for the next tier of quarterback in this draft class. Right. It's going to be an interesting three, four months for sure. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with those teams. Yeah, me, me too. Um, At least our teams are all taken care of now. Yeah. Like we don't have to worry. Like, and quick and easy. Yeah, it took, yeah. took a week. It's yeah. It, like I, I see the vision. Like, I can understand the vision of all four franchises right now, honestly. Well, and what's really funny, I know I'm almost done, but, like, you know, we talk about my father-in-law. You know, he's the reason I'm a Lion. I root for the Lions. Um, You know, first choice, only choice, best choice. Um, We, you know, we were talking because he went went to Ikea with us on Saturday. We were talking, like, you know, Stafford could be 
traded by the end of the night or we could be in Ikea and he fucking get traded. And, and I was like, uh, or he said, would you want him? I'm like, obviously I want Deshaun Watson for youth and I think he can do a little bit more, but I would take Stafford in a heartbeat. I don't think it's going to happen because I remember I think uh, HTE was saying Niners and other people were saying Niners was going to happen. And then, yeah, that fucking night it happened. Like, and he, he's bummed, but he gets it. Like he's not one of these dipshits on Twitter saying the line, you know, I, I wish him hell or anything, but um, he's bummed, but he, he get like you, like you Spartan, he sees the vision. He understands what Campbell and Holmes are going to do. Yeah, I just I think also to um, I just want to give my thoughts on this real quick, and then we'll talk, and then we'll talk stocks. stocks. The the Detroit media reaction to this trade has been fucking ridiculous, um, especially from Rico. Oh, what a penis! Rico what a penis. Rico has been a real penis about this trade, and I don't <laughs> understand why. Because he's a 49ers fan, he's fucking mad that the Rams lapped him. They did the Captain America on your left and they got the guy that they thought they were going to get. <laughs> it's that simple. And he's just going, no, I don't like to trade for you guys, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He's, he's just an insecure little penis. It's very, very, very... little penis is the key word. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to our friend Blake about stocks. All right. We're now joined by our friend Blake. Uh, you may know Blake as the horniest man alive. Uh, Blake, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well, you know. Uh, tired. A little tired. It's been, you know, a long couple of weeks or a long week or so, but doing good. Uh, so, Blake... Let me start by asking you a simple question. Uh, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's a good one. Um, so it all started with this little company called GameStop. Some of you guys might have heard of. Um, and realistically, the GameStop stock, it really kind of started back in March. This thing was beat down to like three bucks. And a couple of people with a lot of money came in and... They started buying positions, right? And they were sitting there holding, and these were the only people in it. Now, meanwhile, you had hedge funds and you know people with big money that what they do is they short stocks, okay? And the main objective of that is just you're betting that the company is going to, the stock price is just going to tank, company's crappy, you know, and it's going to go down because you essentially are borrowing shares from someone selling them immediately and then you have to buy them back and return those shares to that person at a point but if you buy if you sell them high and you buy them back low you pocket the difference and that's the basic way shorting works mm. so you had GameStop get shorted by these big hedge funds and it actually ended up getting up to 140% shorted so <laughs> All of these shorted shares, essentially, or 40% of the 100% of shorted shares got past the, the, the person that bought them, redistributed them to get shorted again. So basically, you got all of these hedge funds and all this big money just 
putting their like entire portfolios and huge amounts of money, just saying that GameStop's going to die. And they beat it to a point where a couple of guys that believe in it long-term are holding and no one's left to sell the shares. So the price is stuck. So it's kind of in a spot where all that can happen is people can buy and buy they did, you know, and it just started kind of building and it really started when, Wall Street bet, or uh, yeah, Wall Street bets on Reddit. Uh, as I'm sure some of you heard, you know, he was like, "This is a huge short percentage. That's public information. You can find out the percentage." And he's like, "All that's left is for people to buy, and when people buy and push the price up, that causes the shorts to have to rebuy back those shares, right? And that is like a two big ass forces meeting and just." supernova we're going to the fucking moon right because now you've made them flip teams essentially because they got to cover their ass and off we go and then it the word started to build and people started going wait a minute we can eat the fucking rich in a way that you know we can do this with our dollar and the average person that now is getting stimulus checks right we got robin hood we got all these things in our hand and these people just go well i'll just buy and ride the wave and then all the, you know, dink and dunk people, Reddit users, then it spread to Twitter. And then the bigger dogs on Twitter started getting in it. And basically it just became this full frontal assault of anybody that's not rich, but fucking the rich people and trying to just erase these hedge funds because that's what they've done to us this whole time. That's what shorting a stock is. So it just turned the tables completely. And then anything that was like GameStop, that it was being shorted too heavily became a target. So then it's AMC, then it's Nokia, BlackBerry. I think even Blockbuster got its uh, beak wet there a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it was, I mean, it was all over the place. Anyone, no one was safe. Like anyone could get it. Anyone could get it. So here we are. We're kind of in now this spot where I think we're in flux a bit. It, the steam was lost a bit today, but it, it didn't crash. Um, you know, we're kind of in a twilight zone right now. So it's uh people got to be careful because I don't know what the hell is going to happen from here. <laughs> so these, these hedge funds, I saw a lot about these hedge funds going insolvent. Should yes. the stock hit a certain price? Yes. Um, Like when did the, I, so obviously the stocks never hit, never hit that price. Right. Because I, I think what ended up happening is a lot of the hedge funds just backed out early. They didn't hold. Um, they just kind of quit and took their losses, uh, which were like, I think 30 million at a point or like hundreds of millions for some of them, <laughs> but they backed out early and just kind of cut their losses and said, we're not going to keep forcing this. But I, I think a lot of them, doubled back down and went back in to reshort these same stocks. And I think that's where we kind of sit now that they're back reshorted and there might be another push for people to go, well, okay, if you're just going to do the same thing again, we'll just do the same thing again. So I, we didn't get to erase hedge funds, but one of them in Citron, I believe it was said, we're just not going to tell anyone we're shorting anything anymore. We're going to stop publishing reports altogether. Hmm. Um, that was one of the main things that happened. The losses were in the tens, if not hundreds of billions for some of these hedge funds. Um, just a whole, it's never anything like this has never happened. 
biggest short squeeze of all time has to be. So we, so when you, you're throwing a lot of big numbers out there, like tens, hundreds of billions of dollars. So these, you know, it's all I can think about when people like are talking about like dollars and cents in relation to the stock market is the scene in Wolf of Wall Street where Jordan Belfort's at at lunch with Matthew McConaughey and he's like, it's Fugazi, Fugazi. Yeah, it's yeah. So like in in real terms, like these hedge funds, these hedge funds lose money. Like who who's getting fucked? You know, like when these hedge funds lose, who's the one getting the who's the ones getting who are the ones getting fucked here? So right now it's the hedge funds getting fucked bad. And they really, I think, took their biggest uh, fuckings, if you will, uh, last, last week. Um, that was when they really got bent over and they really, you know, they leaned into it. So um, that happened. However, um, now you're in a situation where the main thing, the main is, look, I've only been doing this since like June myself, but I've had a lot of success and I just see the setup for, the same mistakes that I made and a lot of people that have been doing this a minute are starting is the setup is the same for people that came in new and they bought GameStop either low or they even bought a little high and they're just holding and holding. And there's a realistic chance this shit can crash back to like $3. And there's going to be people that like put, you know, a thousand dollars in and they don't know what they're doing and they're just going to sit on it because it'll, it'll go back and it like, it, it might not until it goes very, very, very low. Um, and that realistically happens. And I think a lot of people just joined off the, the second round of stimulus. Um, and I mean, the Robin hood accounts were going through the roof and I don't, uh, there's just, it takes a second to learn how to protect yourself. And if people just saw something, cra- I mean, this is a once in a lifetime thing. And if you just like think this is how the stock market works, those people are set up to lose a lot of money. So right now it's pretty much the, the hedge funds. And then if anyone bought at three, four, 500, I think it was sitting back in the twos. So, I mean, people could be down 50% now, but one rule is that you only lose money when you sell. So keep that one in mind. So, but uh, I know I don't want people to take that to heart, but it is true. So, I mean, if it goes back up, you got a shot. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not overly optimistic that we're going to get exact, you know, we're going to get it to a thousand or anything. I don't know. The, the steam might, the fun might be over for now. Um, so to speak. So yeah, shorts are getting fucked now, but a lot of new people and innocent and younger people, probably uh, people that just got on late and didn't don't know how to get out in time and protect themselves um, are set up, you know, so we'll see. We'll see how things unfold. So, you mentioned earlier that one of the large head funds, Citron, is no longer going to publish reports. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole the the whole reason people knew about the GameStop short position to begin with is because of of the of of reports. Are are hedge funds legally compelled? I know hedge funds are legally compelled to basically not do anything. Like they're <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. No, that's the yeah. Well, so are the they? Are so are were they? Are they like legally 
compelled to share their to share their current positions or do they just do it because it looks good for prospective investors so i think i don't believe they are legally obligated we'd have to ask farty our boy farty on this one but uh he oh man so i don't think they're legally obligated but what does happen is if there's like a large enough purchase of a company or some of, of, of shares or something like that, that has to get filed through the SEC, through the feds. Um, and like when there's big purchases and shit that by institutions or by insiders, that is public information. Um, but I believe if I'm not mistaken, they're publishing these <laughs> basically using the exact tactics of wall street bets. They have their own journal and they're saying, we're going to short this stock. We think it's going to shit. And it's just like, if you want to short it with us, you know, and it's like, that's their, that's what they're fucking doing. So people would jump on board and short the shit out of it. And that's how, you know, so they were like, well, we're just not going to put that out. Um, so I don't think they're legally obligated to say that like specifically, but I think they were using that as a, as a microphone, a megaphone to, you know, enlist more people to join their side. That's what Seeking Alpha, that's what Jim Cramer's doing. That's the main part is that they all have this platform and they can say, I give it a buy rating. I give it a sell rating. I give it a short. Here's my price target of $8. Here's my price target of 70. So those have, those people have millions, the same It's an influencer, social media influence, but you know, with the previous media form, a lot of the time, um, and yeah, so they just use those tactics that way. I don't think they have to. I think they were using it to their own advantage. And now they're like, shit, it's not working to our advantage anymore. We're going to stop doing it, <laughs> you know? But the main thing, what I touched on earlier is that the amount, the percentage a stock is shorted or the per percentage of shares uh, that are shorted on a stock is like, it's information. Usually you have to like buy it through some financial database website or some you know things like that um you can buy subscriptions to them or whatever so that amount in total is public information i don't believe it's associated directly to the hedge fund uh per se hmm. that, that makes sense <laughs> yeah no I, I i agree um so yeah no that makes sense to me that makes a lot of sense so I wanted to ask you a more general question about, about the stock market. You know, um, yeah. obviously the pandemic has been, has been tough on the economy. And uh, one way that we kind of measure the economy is through like the health of the stock market. And mm -hmm. the stock market has done nothing throughout the pandemic, but go up. Yeah. Uh, why is that? Okay. So not a financial advisor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I always got to throw that in there. Not licensed. Uh, I, like I said, I got like six or seven months in the game, but you know, I, I put 10 G's in my pocket and it was pretty, I can't complain about that. So what the way that I understand it, um, it's, it's, it's really a myopic, not very good representation of the economy as a whole. Uh, for number one, before the pandemic, there was like the, some of the least amount of people even in the stock market in history, there was about just over 55% of Americans had some involvement. I believe the stat was that I read. So and just on principle, it was already not representing enough people to be called the economy. Um, now, I mean, basically it just takes into account it, it's whizzy, it's wazzy, it's, it's bullshit. So, I mean, it doesn't tell you, it doesn't take in like, 
you know, job numbers and like people's, if they have $400 in emergency savings or if they, uh, you know, can afford their next meal, uh, or, you know, just all that stuff, but it doesn't take in what's going on with special or small businesses. It doesn't take any of that shit into equations. You're a lot of the time people are looking at the Dow Jones, which is like the biggest 30 companies and the average of that. And they're looking at the S and P 500, which is the biggest 500, mostly tech. Uh, I think like NASDAQ stocks, but just, you're talking about 530 of the, how many millions? billions of companies in this, the country. So when Apple, Tesla, uh, Amazon, Walmart, uh, Netflix, and all these things are just pushing through the roof and you're looking at the Dow and that's 10 of the 30 um, companies that's driving the Dow up. Now, all these other companies, like people don't own stake in the stock market at this time. Uh, so they don't benefit from that necessarily. You know, it's just a couple of the biggest companies that are skewing the average to that direction. So it's pretty much that simple. And it just doesn't take in real life into account. It's just numbers on your computer or your phone. And that's it. It's bullshit. Wizzy is wazzy. It's woozy fugazi. Do you guys, Brett, do you, Brett, Lucas, uh, feel free to jump in if you have any questions. Um I'm I'm just like Michael Scott. Explain it to me like I'm five. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm just listening. I'm yeah. a, I'm, a, I'm I mean, a sponge. No, for yeah, sure. I mean, no, the whole. I mean, uh, we do have like a little uh, stocks chat. So I've been yeah, yeah. soaking up Mike's information for probably like over a month now. So I mean, he's he's been on this for a while, and the tips have been really good. So I appreciate and it. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear. Absolutely. Yeah, no, then I mean, everything popped off last week, and I was just like. It was so much fun. It was like the first time everybody agreed on something. And oh man, forever. it was awesome. It was yeah, awesome. like even Dogecoin, like that. That's the whole thing. I mean, I made I made some money off that. So I mean, yeah. it's, it's just been it's been fun. It's like, uh, I mean, what? I mean, we could use our own trolling abilities for the greater good. So, exactly. I mean, that's that, what it's, it's all about. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, even like the boomers are on like our side. They're like, yeah, that, that's yeah, really cool. Yeah, it's like they're all like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Kevin, guys. Kevin O'Leary, like, yeah, they're on our side. So, Blake, uh, this might, this is going to be my final question for you. Uh, for sure. You know, like, what, what, what's next? You know, as far as, as the meme stock, as they've, as they've come to be called. Yeah. Um, you know what, what's next on that front? Could we see, could we see a restriction of these, of these? Um, trading apps like Robinhood, like Re- Weeble, which is similar to Robinhood, right, to, right, to where the the retail investor, quote unquote, can't access the market without without a trader. Um, you know, it's in the cards. It's always in the cards. I I think that's I I would find it. I mean, that's pretty that's pretty China esque. I mean, to really get down to you're talking about blocking all of them and stuff. You know, I mean. I think that would be a bit of a reach. I don't think we're really talking. I mean, because what, then how would we, we got to go find a guy. We got to drive to like a, you know, a brick and mortar brokerage or bank or something. So right. um, I don't think it'll quite get to that point. Um, I mean, so the, the thing too about Robin hood is there was a document that came out that I think it was Citadel research. One of, or I don't know if the research, but it's a head fund. Um, 
that they like loaned Robinhood 40% of their company or like bought 40% of their debt or something like that. And that was one of the main shorts on GameStop. So, you know, you find that out and then you go, well, wait, Robinhood targets GameStop and they are in, th- these guys are in their bag. Right. And it's like, sorry. So if that's the shit that's happening, I mean, I think a lot of this is getting brought to light. I think we're going to get some litigation coming up. Um, so it really depends on what way the feds want to go. Um, I mean, are, are we really thinking that we're going to have some overnight revolution where all of a sudden the hedge funds have to pay their fair share and they, you know, justice is served? No, I can't. I don't think that's, that's necessarily in the cards. Uh, again, Fardy had been talking about it, but I think a few people, they might go after um, some of the higher ups either on, Wall Street bets or something, or, I mean, or they go after someone on in Robinhood, um, one or both. So, I mean, I think Robinhood's absolutely screwed. I think they've committed commercial suicide just by doing this. Um, I mean, the main thing is they're the only ones doing it. What's even the argument for it? Like, they're the only ones doing it the way they're doing it. So, if that keeps up, they're going in the toilet. Um, we'll see what the litigation comes out as. But um, my best case, my glimmer of hope to end it, you know, on a positive note is. What we did see is people looking, started targeting these stocks that were the most heavily shorted. And that became its own theme functionally, which, you know, it's been EVs, electric vehicles, clean energy, pot stocks, blockchain, things like that have been really hot since the election. And so this kind of like, it has no industry. It doesn't have a, you know, a sector, but it became its own thing of, Let's find the people, the most heavily shorted stocks and let's just go buy the shit out of them. And now it got outside of meme stocks into like a Fubo, SNDL, um, Naked Juice uh, has been one that's been on fire. I mean, doing like, two, I don't know, like billions in volume or like half a billion volume. So if that continues, then people are just going to basically, I mean, there's nothing stopping people from just going, oh, this is shorted, bye, 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 and just eating hedge, fund, hedge funds and trying to do that. So we might see that as a real trend that completely changes the way retailers trade and invest. Um, I think we get some litigation. I think we get a class action against Robin Hood. Um, not a, I'm not a legal advisor or a lawyer either. I'm not licensed on that either. So uh, throwing that out there. But I think there's going to be a, some change. I don't think it'll be major in the way it translates per se, at least not fast. But I do think we will see some changes coming and hopefully we just keep eating these shorted stocks because i mean like you said everyone just can get on board and just pop on whatever app and just go buy some and sit on it sell it high and we eat them up so i think that's uh i mean kind of up in the air just a lot up in the air it's going to be fun to see it's going to be scary it's it's nerve-wracking but it's that's the market baby that's why we're in it so <laughs> uh blake thanks for coming on to talk stocks with us uh, very much, much appreciate appreciated it. Uh, i'm happy you guys have me thank you yeah uh we'll be back next week fellas go green yes indeed go white go white go go lewis go uh, braden go, go braden go uh go jane kithier uh <laughs> Go away, Jane Kithier. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're out. The way you look should be a sin. You my sensation. I know I'm preaching to the congregation. We love Jesus, but you done learned a lot from Satan. <laughs>
I mean, a nigga did a lot of waiting. We ain't married, but tonight I need some consummation. May the Lord forgive us, may the gods be with us In that magic hour, I've seen good Christians Make brass decisions, oh she do it What happened to religion, oh she lose it She putting on her makeup, she casually a lord Text message breakups, the casualty of tours How she gonna wake up and not love me no more I thought I was the asshole, I guess it's rubbing off Hood phenomenon, the LeBron rhyme Hard to be humble when you stunting on a jumble trine I'm looking at her like, this what you really wanted, huh? Why we argue anyway? Oh, I forgot it's summertime Put your hands to the constellations The way you look should be a sin, you my sensation I know I'm preaching to the congregation We love Jesus, but she done learned a lot from Satan Satan, Satan, Satan I mean, your nigga did a lot of waiting We ain't married, but tonight I need some consummation When the sun go down, it's the magic hour and out of all the colors that'll fill up the skies You got green on your mind, I can see it in your eyes Why you standing there with your face screwed up? Don't leave while you're hot, that's how May screwed up Throwing shit around the whole place screwed up Maybe I should call May so he could pray for us I hit the Jamaican spot at the bar, take a seat I ordered your jerk, she said you are what you eat <laughs> You see I always loved a sense of humor But tonight you should have seen how quiet the room was The Leor Cone or Dior Ohm That's Dior Ohm, that Dior homie The crib Scarface, could it be more Tony? You love me for me, could you be more phony? Put your hands to the constellation The way you look should be a sin, you my sensation <laughs> I've said a word, I've said a word to me this evening. Can't get your Your ass a bone. Looking at my wrist, it'll turn your ass to stone. 
Stretch limousine, sipping rose all alone. Double headed monster with a mind of his own. Cherry red chariot, excess is just my character. All black tux, nigga shoes lavender. I never needed acceptance from all you outsiders. Had ciphers with Yeezy before his mouth wired. Before his jaw shattered, climbing up the Lord's ladder. We still speeding, running signs like they don't matter. Uh. Hater talking never made me mad. Never that, not when I'm in my favorite paper tag. Therefore, G4's at the clearport. When it come to tools, fool, I'm a pep boy. When it came to dope, I was quick to export. Never tired of balling, so it's on to the next sport. New Mercedes sedan, the Lex Sport. So many cars, DMV thought it was mail fraud. Different traps I was getting mail from. Polk County, Jacksonville, Rake, Melbourne. Whole click appetites had tape worms Spinning Teddy Pendergrass final as my shape burns I shed a tear before the night's over God bless the man I put this ice over Getting Tupac money twice over Still a real nigga, red coochie sweater, dice roller I'm making love to the angel of death Catching feelings, never stumble, retracing my steps